So last week we started a brand new series of messages on prayer that's actually going to carry us through the month of May. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's a little crazy to me that May is tomorrow. Like, school's done, summer's almost here, it's a little bit of a craziness to me. But we started last week this series, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what we did last week in a minute, but I just want to acknowledge something kind of right off the bat. And that is, the reason we talk about prayer, the reason we have to even have a conversation about it, is because it's hard to pray. Now, it shouldn't be, really. We're going to talk how easy it should be, but it is hard. And part of that is because most of us have a hard time asking anybody for anything. Close friends, family, spouses. We have a hard time just saying, hey, I'm in need. I need this. And so when we come to prayer asking the Lord, something can be difficult. Sometimes prayer is difficult because we've had it demonstrated to us that it's always so formal. Big words, pious ideas. Uh, I grew up, um, for the most part, I grew up at First Baptist Church in Dyersburg, Tennessee, which is a church pretty similar to this church. But for the first few years of my life, I went with my grandparents, my mom and dad, we went with my grandparents to a smaller church named Southside Baptist Church. And a lot of my formative kind of understanding of church life began in that small little congregation on the outskirts of the metropolis of Dyersburg, right? And in that little congregation, I remember specifically, and I could give you names of men who had some of the most common jobs, and if you had a conversation with them, they would talk like they were from the outskirts of Dyersburg, Tennessee. The words they would use, their, um, their accents would give it away, right? And then they would pray in a church service, and you would have thought they had stepped out of the Renaissance in England, right? Lots of vows, lots of arts. Well, I didn't know anybody named Art, but they talked about art all the time, right? And I thought, what? Prayer just seemed like it was different, like it was a different language, a different kind of thing. Or we've seen people use prayer like a lucky rabbit's foot, that it's just like something they, they do when they're wanting good luck. Or... or Another reality is that we live in what might be the most difficult culture, at least now, but also in history, to pray. People are busier than they have ever been, and to pray means to slow down. We also live in a society that values production and work and doing things. And to say that you're going to spend some time just... Praying almost feels like to us, like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just being. Doesn't sound productive. We have learned to fill the empty spaces of our lives, not with prayer, but with entertainment. With phones that are constantly with us. With news feeds that can be constantly checked, with videos that are constantly playing, with music in the car, with everywhere we are, we have something that can distract us. C.S. Lewis, long before we ever had all of the devices and distractions of the day, talked about even in his day that we can give in to the kingdom of noise and prevent us from prayer. 
And the little thing that goes unspoken in our culture in particular as well is we just don't feel like we need it sometimes. We kind of take care of it of ourselves. If I need that, I'll go work hard enough to do that. I'll learn what I need to do that. I'll YouTube a video to figure it out. I'll figure all that out. We are do-it-yourself kind of people. And because of that, we think, what good is prayer really going to do? And then when we start to have those thoughts, we feel really guilty about not praying. And we come to church and then we talk about prayer. And you're like, man, I feel horrible about it. And it doesn't spur us towards prayer. It spurs us towards guilt. My goal over these series of messages is to begin to look behind our understanding of what prayer is and to let a picture come forth that is truly what prayer is about. And we talked last week, if you were here, if you were part of this, about the audio stereoscope craze of the 90s, the magic eye craze, where you would have a picture like this next one that we'll put up, that you could, when I was growing up, you had these books, and the, I said it's hard to do it up here, but if you stared at it long enough and your eyes just went unfocused enough, there would be a 3D image behind the image in front of you, and it would kind of come forward. And then once you saw it, it would kind of blow your mind, and you could see it a lot. But it's hard for me to do. This is what would be behind it, the shark. Because what I would have to do is take the book and put it to my nose and then drag it away gradually. But something would come from behind. And what I want to do with prayer is kind of let us unfocus our minds on what we expect prayer to be, what we think prayer is, and as a result, get a biblical understanding of what it is and how it benefits our lives. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look today at one of the easiest ways that we can change how we approach in prayer. Let me just also acknowledge today's family worship. We do family worship every fifth Sunday when there's a fifth Sunday in a month. Our first through fifth graders are joining with us. And so welcome first through fifth graders. We're glad you're here today. Um, this is a time when we kind of set aside for them to be a part of a big church, if you will. Normally, uh, Krista has them downstairs and they do um, age appropriate worship on Sunday mornings and walk through the scriptures on that. But they're with us today. And so it's appropriate that the way that we're going to approach God, the way that we need to understand what it means to be in prayer is that true prayer means we approach God like a child. Now, Matthew 6 isn't the only place we're going to get that from. You don't have to turn to these places, but I want to give you three examples in Scripture where Jesus made it abundantly clear that if you want to approach the Father, if you want to understand the kingdom, we have to come like a child. Starting in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It said, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Now, just so you understand, I know that we live in a time and age when we believe the children are our future. Treat them well and let them lead the way, right? To quote the great theologian Whitney. But that has not been the case through most of history. 
Through most of history, children were not to be seen or to be heard. And if they were seen, they definitely weren't to be heard. They were not even supposed to be around. And when you had someone doing serious business like teaching, you didn't need children around. And so for Jesus to welcome children would have been countercultural and would have flipped expectations on his head. We see this because they're bringing the kids to him and the disciples start yelling. Imagine, imagine that, right? Man, it's just, it's hard for us to think about. They're bringing kids and the disciples are, get away, get those kids away. These little stinkers need to get out of here. Now maybe that's how you feel sometimes, but that's not what you would say publicly. And Jesus says, he was, and I love this, indignant. You want to know what makes Jesus indignant? Is when they denied the kids to come and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The point being, we in our current culture, who we are, think the way to attain the greatest things in life is to study and train and grow and mature. And Jesus says, to understand the kingdom of God, we have to be at our simplest level to understand. Here's another passage for you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We find out from other places that what was really going on here is they were asking, so when you become king, who's going to be your right-hand man? Which one of us is best, Jesus? little competitiveness happening among these apostles. Jesus says to them, he called a small child and had him stand among them and said, truly I tell you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Of heaven. So unless you become like this one. Or the last example, Luke chapter 10. The 72 returned. Jesus had sent 72 out. They saw great things happen. And he says, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus is going to start a prayer after that. We pick up that prayer in verse 21. And it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. I don't know that the apostles would have been excited to know that's how we referred to them. But it is. Okay, pastor, those are great, but what does that have to do with us approaching God in prayer? Well, we talked about it for a moment last week. The very first words of the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, is therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father. If you were here last week, we told you that that word is one of the most personal, intimate terms you could use for a dad. And literally, that's what Jesus was saying, that we should come to him and say, to the Heavenly Father, and say, Daddy. Our Heavenly Daddy. Your name be honored as holy. 
And so here's what I want to do just for the next few minutes. Because I want to ask the question, what would it look like for us to approach our dad in heaven in prayer in a way like a child? What does it mean when we walk into His presence, when we come into His presence, when we are seated in His presence, when we enter into prayer with an attitude and understanding that we are coming into a conversation with our dad? Because at its essence, prayer is a conversation with your heavenly dad. Four things real quickly. And the first thing is this. When we come, we come messy. When you come to speak to your Heavenly Father, you don't have to be all cleaned up, tucked in, high and tight, everything together. God is not expecting you to come to Him after you have cleaned up everything. We've used this illustration before. When I was growing up, we used to have someone come, occasionally both my parents work, and they would clean the house, and I never understood why on Thursday night before they came on Friday, we had to clean the house before they got there to clean the house. Right? We had to clean up the house. The house cleaner's coming tomorrow. It seems like a statement that shouldn't be said. That's how we feel about our lives sometimes. Like, man, I can't go to the Lord in prayer right now. I can't come into His presence. I got too much going on. I got too much junk. I got too much sin. I got too much stuff. And first of all, do you think that's going to shock your Heavenly Father? You can't get one over on God. It's not like you walk into His presence and He's like, so, can you tell me what's been going on? I'm completely out of the loop. He knows. When you walk into His presence, you come messy. You come distracted. You come overwhelmed. You come with a wandering mind. You say, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. I just know this is going on in my life. This is happening in my life. You just come messy. Messed up people. That's who we are. The moment you think you've got it together is the moment you most need the Lord because He needs to show you what's really going on. Nobody in this room has it together. Nobody. The truth is, people joke sometimes about the fact that you walk in the halls of a church and you, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Any better? Be two of myself. Can't get any better. And like we just give those things out. The reality is, yes, we have hope. We have joy in Christ. But part of the reason we do that is because we really let people know what was going on in our lives. They would run away from us. Can I get an amen? And yet... Scripture makes it abundantly clear that when those kind of things are happening in our life, the very place we need to run is to our Heavenly Dad. I remember watching the documentary on Mr. Rogers a couple of years ago. And one of his pieces of advice that he used to give is that in the midst of difficulty or disaster or danger, look for the helpers. Run to the helpers. Look for people that are helping. Here's the reality. In the midst of your life crisis and situations, look to the helper. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said he would send for us. The helper would come and benefit this. One of the lies that the enemy gets you to believe is that when you mess up and sin, that you can't come talk to your father about it. 
the place when you are in the midst of sin, in the midst of difficulty, the one place you need to run is to Him. That is what the cross is about. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. And the thing that the Lord's Supper is all about is that we run to Him because that is where forgiveness is. And so when we come into His presence, we don't have it all together. Let me just say this. We don't have to have the language all together. God understands a you just as well as he understands a thou. Just come and talk. Just be normal. First thing is we come messy. The second thing is we ask like a child. Let me ask you a quick question, those of you that are parents, grandparents. Have you ever been on a road trip with a child that wonders when you're going to get to the destination that you have? Anybody ever been there? How, how many times do they ask? Once, and then they're done? Is that what happens? No? Anybody here, let me, let me ask you this question. Maybe, maybe this is, uh, you know, hypothetically speaking. You ever been getting supper together? Maybe, I don't know, grilling out steaks on a Saturday night, last night, for instance, and they're taking a little longer than you expect, and... The kids want to know when the supper is going to be ready. Anybody ever had that experience? When's it going to be ready? And do they ask once or do they ask multiple times? Have you ever had a child that had a particular gift that they wanted for a birthday or for Christmas? Or just happened to be in a store when something catches their eye? Do they ask once or do they ask consistently and passionately? You get the point, right? They ask incessantly. Here's what I love about the Lord. He doesn't get fed up with us asking. Now that doesn't mean we can manipulate or turn Him because of it, but it does mean that He does not get upset when we are asking Him for things and requesting things for Him. And what I love about the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth and as in heaven. Give us this day. Here's what I love. They ask in that Lord's Prayer, in that model prayer that Jesus gave to us, give us this day our daily bread. He asks for the most mundane and basic thing you could ask for. I just need to eat today. Now, here's what that implies for us. If we can trust God with the most mundane things and come to Him and ask, even what we think is something maybe not worth asking because it's too small, we can entrust to ask Him with the biggest things of our lives as well. And we come to Him and we come boldly. As kids come, they don't worry about whether or not you're going to say yes or no often. They come boldly asking for things and they come incessantly. Jesus even gave an example of a widow who got what she intended to get from a judge because she would not stop asking. And so how do we ask like a child? Boldly and incessantly we ask. We come messy, we ask like a child, and we believe like a child. I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but the older you get, the more cynical you become. Disappointment happens, heartbreak happens, people let you down, you get beat down by life. You just become more aware of what's happening around you and you realize that we live in a broken world and it is easy the older you get to become more 
disillusioned with life around you. And yet, when we come to the Lord, we come not with cynicism or doubt or disappointment. We come believing He is capable of doing all things. We come to Him and say, this is who I am. This is what's happening, Lord. What's going on in my life? Man, I really need this, and I'm trusting that you're going to provide it because you are a God that can provide all things. And then this is the last one, and this is the one that's a little bit of a curveball probably. Embrace your ADD. Anybody here ever get distracted? Do you know what the average attention span of a human adult is right now? You want to talk about a statistic that is frightening and discouraging for a pastor that speaks for 20 or 40 minutes, whatever it is, every week. The average adult attention span is at eight seconds. Do you know what has a larger attention span than the average adult? A goldfish. That attention span is down 25% in the last 15 years. Any guesses why that's the case? Some of you are holding them and looking at them in your hand right now. I'm looking at my Bible verse, Pastor. Okay, good. Like we're distracted consistently and we can't keep our attention. Here's the good thing about that. God understands that. Remember the prayer I read from Paul? Remember I told you that he starts actually at the beginning of chapter 3 and says, and therefore I go before the Father. And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot to tell you one other thing. Let me tell you this other thing first, and then I'll get back to my prayer. I don't know about you, but there are times when I sit down with the Lord, I'm going to pray, and I start with all the, the, you know, just conditioned in my mind. Sometimes I start with the these and the thous kind of things, and then I'm chasing rabbits down roads I didn't even know existed. And I feel like, okay, Lord, coming back to this. But here's the reality. That's how conversations among good friends happen. If you sit down and have a conversation with a good friend, you start a conversation, you start talking, and before you know it, one of you's going one way and another's going another. And if you're around people that know each other really well and you're listening to their conversation, sometimes you don't have a clue how they understand what each other is talking about, but they do because they're following the trail together. Amen? Like, how did you... Like, y'all just jump like three subjects. How did we just we just know? In conversation with the Lord, your prayer ought to be like that. He knows. He's with you. And just go with it. Our Father, we're just coming. Man, I'm a mess today. I got, I got stuff in my life. Well, you know what? I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know the sins that I've committed today. Lord, I need you to forgive me of those. I need you to help me to stay away from the things that are going to make me do that. Lord, I need to walk with you better. Yes. And Lord, here's the thing. I really got some things in my life that I want right now and some things that I need. And I'm just going to lay them before you. And I'm trusting that you're going to do what's right. But these are what I really like. I'd love to have this. And I really need that. And could you provide this in my life? And I'm praying for so-and-so. And I'm praying about this. And Lord, could you just help me with that? And yeah, oh, by the way, did you, 
man, I am so sorry for the way that I acted the other day when I was with those people. And Lord, that was kind of crazy. And I'm sorry about that. Oh, and so and so. Yeah, I mean, they're doing really great, Lord. I know you know that, but I just feel like I need to tell you that. And man, that's awesome. And Lord, I'm just having a conversation. Because at its essence, prayer is just a conversation with your dad. That's all it is. Who is more interested in your life than any other being in the universe. So here's my question to ask as we finish today. What do you need to talk to your dad about today? What do you need to ask him? What do you need to bring before him? What do you need to believe? What do you need to confess? What do you need to tell him? Because in essence, that's what prayer is. And so I would just advise you sometime, and we're going to talk over the next few weeks about some more practical tips, but let me just advise you, sometime this afternoon, sometime tonight, make a plan for early in the morning, go to bed early tonight, get up early in the morning, and just set aside some time to have a conversation with your dad. If you need, some of you are type A personality and you need to write down what you want to tell him, then write it down. Make an agenda. The Lord knows your personality. If you're the free-flowing, I don't ever have a note for anything kind of person, then go with that. And just have a conversation. Our Dad in Heaven, Lord, make your name great. Lord, we want your kingdom to be fulfilled on this earth, and I want to be a part of that. I want to see your will done here. Lord, these are some situations in my life I need you to work and bring towards your will. And Lord, these are some things I need, some basic stuff I need, some big stuff I need. And Lord, man, I've messed up here. I need you to forgive me of that. I need you to help me forgive those that have done that to me. And Lord, I know that today there are going to be some times, and Lord, I can tell you three or four things. I'm going to talk with so-and-so today, and it's going to tempt me to be angry or resentful. I'm going to go into this place, and I'm going to be tempted not to give full truth. And Lord, I need you to help me in those situations because I know they're coming. And then, and we'll talk about this more in the weeks ahead, in a conversation, it's never one way. And you say, Lord, what do you have to share with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll help us to understand what prayer is. That's a conversation, that's a dialogue, that it's simple. But it's the most profound and powerful thing that we can have on this earth. And so, Lord, I pray that today, if there are those here that have not yet come to the place where they've accepted you as their Savior, Lord, that today they would realize their need for you as their heavenly dad. Lord, I pray for people in this room that, Lord, when they hear the word dad, that's not a positive image. That's not something they, 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 maybe they don't know their dad. Maybe it wasn't a good relationship. Maybe it was an abusive relationship. And, Lord, they, they have been scarred by that word. But, Lord, I pray that you would open them up to hear and understand the heart of who you are and what you desire for them. Lord, I pray that in these moments that we would focus our heart on the things that we need from you and the ways that we need to talk with you. I pray, Lord, that we would just be willing to do whatever it takes in our lives to make room 
to have that conversation, to be able to live in the midst of prayer, continually conversing with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.